welcome back to the Don't Stop Me Now podcast. I am your HIV positive host, Miss Jennifer Lee Vaughn. How is everybody doing out there? It's been a little minute. Um, it's been about two weeks, I think, since I've done a podcast. And I think it's high time that I do one now because I've got so much to share. So much to share. It's just crazy. Um, but yeah. A lot has gone on. Um, and then I, I was thinking, sometimes I just have these little random thoughts that I've got some crazy little stories from my past that are sort of fun to share. So I, I'm going to share a couple of those. Um, I'm going to share a story about going to doctors on duty for a little female issue and how I was treated with regards to my HIV diagnosis. Dude, it felt bad. It felt really fucking bad. So I'm going to share with you guys what went down during that visit. I'm and the funniest thing is I could have had everything taken care of at Target. I didn't even need to go to goddamn doctors on duty. But yeah, it was a nightmare. So um, I just want to share that information about what happened because there was definitely some uneducation with regards to HIV in that appointment and some stigma. And um, I just felt bad. Like I felt straight up bad about how I was treated. So I will share that. Um I've been kind of keeping um, this person that I've been having the feelings for, like, no, I really haven't been saying much about him, but it kind of came to an end, I think, um, and now I feel like I can share more about him. Uh, he doesn't even, like, get what I do at all. Like, I don't, he knows that I have HIV and does not care, but, like, he doesn't seem to get, like, what I do on social media because... I see his stuff on social media, but we're not connected. Um, and he keeps coming up as a recommended on my Facebook. So <clears throat> I know on his end, he must be seeing that also, but he hasn't friended me. Um, <laughs> it's just interesting. Yeah, he doesn't like seem to have a clue. So yeah, he would never know that I have this podcast or that I'm going to talk about him a little bit. And I am. Um, so let's start off with a funny little story from, I don't know why this came into my, my, my brain, my, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of like a part of the brain I can refer to my frontal lobe. No, probably not that part. Anyways, this came into my mind. Um, I don't Somebody was talking about something. I, I honestly can't remember. Anyways, when I was in the eighth grade, I took that trip to Washington DC with my junior high class. It was, um, summer. It was like early June. We went right after graduation. And, um, I was a really like shy kid. Like it was a trip that I kind of still can't believe I took because none of my close friends, I had probably like three or four close friends in the eighth grade went, I went with more of like mm, the, um, uh, the, the kids that were more on the periphery that I knew from class and they were nice, but like, they weren't like my best friends. Um, but I felt like it was important to go. And like, I was really lucky out of all of the kids in my family. Um, there's basically five of us, my older brother and sister, hi, Brian, um, my sister, Vicky, and then my stepbrothers, John and Noel at the time. And none of them have done the Washington DC trip. I was the only one that did it. Um, so I was really grateful that my parents, you know, allowed that to happen. I had two sets of incomes helping me go there. I don't know what it cost back in the day, but I'm sure it wasn't, you know, for the times it was probably, you know, not that inexpensive. 
Anyways, we fly out to Washington, D.C., and I just remember the first night we're at this Hyatt. Everybody's excited to be there. I think, actually, we arrived at, like, 6 in the morning. We fly a red-eye out to uh, the East Coast. And, um, yeah, and I think we you get on, you hit the ground running. Like, you go on and, like, see some monuments, like, right away. And, like, of course, no one's had any sleep on the plane, and you're just dead tired. But anyways, we got back to the hotel that evening or whatever, and everybody thought it would be really fun to go um, to the pool, the indoor pool downstairs. And I'm like, I'm obviously I want to do that too. Um, so I had a bikini. I can still see it in my mind. It was like pink and blue striped, but it was more of like a cotton material. I don't know why, but it wasn't elasticy. I mean, it had the elastic where you needed it, but the material was more like cotton and it was a bikini. And at the time I just had like little bee bite bee bites for boobs. I didn't really have boobs. Um, but it kind of like, it was two little triangles and it fit perfectly over what I really didn't have. And then there was the bottom. So, um, and I was a tall, thin eighth grader at the time. Um, probably, you know, just starting to get like my hips and stuff like that. This really doesn't play into the story. I'm just trying to give you the visual. But anyways, I remember jumping in the pool, swimming around with everybody. And at one point, I pulled myself out of the pool and stood up. And I'll never forget, I was about to dive back in. And this kid, Joey Duenas, looked up at me. And I kind of had a crush on him, actually. And his eyes just bugged out of his head. And he pointed at me. And I looked down. And my bikini bottom had shifted all the way to one side. My full vagina was hanging out. <laughs> like, obviously, in the eighth grade, you've got, like, some hair now. Things have changed down there. I feel like things, like, literally... Sorry, Brian. I feel like things, like, literally changed overnight in the inner part. Like, I remember, like, one day, like, waking up and going, where did all that come from? What the fuck? Um, like, I just... That was weird. I just remember, like, my <laughs> my... I just remember, you know, the part that's in the inside, just the inner stuff, like, looked different one morning. I was like, oh, what the fuck? I guess I'm a girl now. Actually, honestly, it was more shocking and, like, disgusting. Like, oh, my God, what the fuck just happened to me? Like, ew. Um, so, yeah, super paranoid about the way things look down there. Not in my wildest dreams did I think a boy would see this when I was, like, 12 years old. I was almost 13. But anyways, I just remember, like dying a thousand deaths I could not jump in the water fast enough and it's just one of those moments like I, I don't know if he ever remembered that but it like killed me like I the rest of the trip I kept thinking Joey Duana saw my vagina oh my god I'm gonna die like I don't even know how many other people there's so many people in the pool but yeah this material had just shifted off to the side and he got a nice, I'm sure he liked it, maybe, who knows, um, but I didn't, <laughs> it was very upsetting, okay, uh, that was one story I wanted to tell about Joey Duenas, and um, the next one is about um, when I was in college, I was, obviously, I've talked about this before, shot in a bank robbery, um, one of the local stations that wanted to interview me, uh, oh my god, what the hell was it, it was, um, KICU, Channel 36. Uh, Linda Joyce wanted to interview me about being shot. They hadn't caught him yet at the time. 
Um, it was really exciting because they came to my house with the big camera and the mic and they put me in silhouette and they interviewed me and I was going to be on the news and it was all exciting. And I said, oh my God, this is like my major. I'm radio, TV, film. Like I'm like, I don't even care that I'm in shot. I was just more like excited about like the whole process of watching like them you know, set up the room. It was at my house and, and, um, get ready to interview me. I was like, it was mind blowing. Like Linda Joyce was in my house with a microphone, like you know, interviewing me. Um, so anyway, I, they, they got the gist of like me being excited about it. And like, I don't even know how much later they called me and said, Hey, you know, we've got like a position here. If you want to do it, it's like $5 an hour. You're basically ripping scripts, um, you will be like selecting the little graphics that go like if there is a fire that day somewhere while the reporter or the newscaster speaking about the fire, there's a little picture in the corner of a fire truck and fire or whatever. I would pick those out. Um, and I would work the, um, oh, what is it called? The teleprompter. I was like, you know, I, it's like a little controller that you like speed up or slow down for the words when they're reading. So I would sit behind the, where the weatherman would stand. Um, he would be like on this green wall and I, it was so janky. And I'd just sit behind him behind this wood wall, um, at a little desk with the teleprompter in my hand, controlling the speed of the words that they were reading. Um, that was nerve wracking live news. And I was like, Oh my God, if I do this too fast or too slow, the fucking reporters or the newscasters are going to be pissed at me. Anyways, I got the hang of all of it and it all became very fun. And I worked there for, I think about a year and a half and I got to use it as my credit for, um, my major as like my, um, Oh, what's it called? My, hold on like my apprenticeship. I, I know I'm, it's a different word, but anyways, um, so I got the credit for that. And so anyways, of course, while I'm working there, I was 21. The weatherman was like, I had a huge crush on him. His name is Steve Paulson and he actually still does the weather in San Francisco. He's on one of the stations um, in San Francisco. And I mean, at this point now, I mean, he's obviously in his sixties. Um, but at the time he was 34 and I was 21. And there was another guy I worked with named Mike, who was like his friend, but Mike had a crush on me and Mike was just not really my type. He just wasn't, but Steve was. And so Mike was kind of like the guy that I would tell everything to about my thoughts about Steve. Never in a million years did I think Steve would be into me because I was in college. I was 21. He's 34. He's sophisticated. He's the weatherman, right? So I don't know, we end up going on this river rafting trip up in Sacramento and Steve went, I was just dying. I couldn't believe it. it was like he was a total celebrity to me. I mean, if he was downtown San Jose, I did end up going with him downtown San Jose one time. Um, people look at him and like they knew he was on the news. And so he went river rafting with us. Mike went and then this other guy, Tony, went who was in the sports department. Tony liked me too, but I wasn't into Tony. Um, and it was just a good time. And I, I remember I had a picture, we were all drinking and I had this one picture of me and Steve, someone took it from one of the other boats and I'm like holding my beer up and like, it would, it looked like a pretty good shot. He's sitting next to me and we're both holding our beers up and you know, it's, it's fun. Like I love reminiscing about that picture. Cause I stared at that picture for a long time because I had such a crush on him. So he ends up inviting me to his place. Um, and I like, I just remember just dying. Like, I can't believe this was really happening. I think he gave me there. I know for sure one time he gave me there. It happened two times, but he gave me an invitation. Like, like, yeah, he gave me an invitation, like through like a written invitation 
to come to his house that he would make me dinner and he would, you know, have wine. He was really into wine. I knew nothing about wine. So it's like, oh my God, I was so nervous. So he gives me the directions to his place. Of course, this is before cell phones. This is before any, like, um, you know, we could map it out on our phones or anything. I had to follow, like, directions on paper, like, what exit and all that. I find his place. He's in a townhouse. I think it was in Pleasanton um, or Fremont, something like that. And uh, his place was really nice. It was, like, two-story. And he invited me over. We come, or obviously he invited me over. Um, He invited me in. And I remember just being just nervous, but trying to be super cool about everything. Oh my God. Um, and I just couldn't like it. I couldn't stop thinking I'm in Steve Paulson's townhouse. Like I'm in his townhouse. Like he obviously invited me over cause he's interested in some way, you know, um, I just couldn't believe it. So we had dinner and there was nothing happening like flirtatiously. We, I remember it was fish I remember sitting across from him. I remember just like, I don't even remember what we talked about, but I just know in my mind, I was really nervous and um, trying not to let it show. We drank some wine. You'd think that would make me relax, but it really didn't. And then at some point we sat on his couch and he goes something about he wanted to give me that massage he'd promised me. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And so we sat on the couch. I can still see it now, like an L-shaped couch. And he starts massaging my shoulders and I was like, I, I think it like went on for a little bit. Like I was like, oh, that's all this is going to be. Like, he's just going to massage because this is his thing. He, I don't know. And you know, I remember thinking maybe 34 year olds don't make out. Maybe that's just something that like young people do. Maybe when you're 34, you don't do that anymore. So I wasn't really sure like anything like I really like looking back. That's so funny. I had that thought cause I'm 51 and I love to make out. So like it doesn't stop. So I, uh, I don't remember how it actually happened. He might have turned me around or something, but I know we finally made contact and we started kissing. And I remember remember that my jaw was literally like shaking, like my bottom jaw. And I had had plenty of experience at this point because I'd had a boyfriend for two years. I'd probably slept with, I don't know, maybe four people at this point um, because I didn't get started till I was 18. But like the boyfriend that I'd had for almost two years, like we basically did everything. So like, you know, we were very open with each other and it was very comfortable. So... I was experienced, you know, but I hadn't been with an older man or a weather man. So, um, I just remember I could not get my mouth to stop shaking. And I thought, oh my God, he's going to know, he's going to know how nervous I am. Oh my God. So I don't really remember what happened after that. I just know that we did go up to his room upstairs and, um, you know, we never actually had sex. (laughs) We didn't, we had oral sex. And that was it. Like, I don't know, like when he was finished, he couldn't do it again. So that was it. We never actually did it. And then um, the same thing happened the second time I went over. And by then I was more relaxed and it was fun. But again, it was just oral. I don't know why that happened that way, but we didn't actually end up having sex. Oh, and I remember like I spent the night both nights. I had to fart through the night both nights the whole time. And I like had to like literally leave so that I could get in my car and fart because I was so uncomfortable all freaking night, you know, and you can hear it rumbling around in your stomach and it wakes you up and you're like, Oh my God, if they hear, you can even hear that. You can hear that out loud. Cause you're like, you know, it's like, it's like, Oh my God, he can totally hear that. I'm holding one in. It's the freaking worst. I don't know who finds spending the night at some new guy's place after you've had wine and been a little drunk, like who finds that fun? You definitely like have like 
biological things that happen and um, you need to use the restroom or let stuff out. It's like it's the worst to hold it in and you end up with a stomach ache. And anyways, I just remember I couldn't get home fast enough to like go to the bathroom. So and yeah, you get like the you get wine shits. And I remember like in college, the girls would always talk about getting the beer shits. I mean, those things definitely happen. So not fun. Okay. That was Steve Paulson. If he ever hears this, hey, Steve, good times. You were like a rock star to me. I, um, man, almost like the biggest pedestal I've ever think, I think I've ever put a guy on. I really thought I was having sex with like Brad Pitt. It was, well, whatever it was, oral sex, but, um, it was, it was a fun experience as a 21 year old to be with a 34 year old. Oh, and we did make out like a lot. So I was like, wow, like 34 year olds make out out. And then of course we have to go back to work. Oh, that's the other part. And it was confusing because he, it just stopped for whatever reason, but he was still nice to me. And I remember him kind of like flirting with me through the wooden wall, like knocking on it, like, Hey, you know, or whatever. And, but I really tried to act very cool about it. And like, it wasn't bothering me and it was what it was, but it really was hard to be around him after that because I didn't know what was going on with him in his personal life. There was no Tinder back then, but he was known in the area. And of course he could have had lots of other girls that were, that he was getting and girls that were like, I felt like I had like no no anchor. Like there was nothing that was going to keep him coming back to me because he could get girls that were older. And I just thought, I'm just this like little stupid 21 year old. Like, why would he want me? So, uh, it was hard. It was really hard to work there after, And I think I worked there for at least like nine months after that. And, you know, nothing happened between us anymore. It just kind of fizzled out. And he was just a friend. I mean, he acted like we were friends and that was it. But it was confusing for for sure. And it kind of like hurt that it it stopped. But I was like, I had no business thinking like he would want me as a girlfriend. I really didn't think so. And I remember my roommates at the time who were really, really pretty, Lucy. And I can't remember their other girl's name. But they had experience with boys. And they said, you have to bake him these cookies. They weren't toll house. They were like this, I think it was a Ghirardelli, like chunks, like of chocolate. And they were like, they had like a special recipe. And so like, they were all into making cookies for guys that they had sex with. And they said like, that that was the way to like, get them to come back. <laughs> like, what the hell? Okay, whatever. So I ended up making him these cookies. They were the bomb and I'm um, giving to him, giving them to him on a plate and feeling like, um, and he, he said, oh, that's really nice. And I, of course, I'm acting like I just do this for everybody. I make cookies. Of course, I make cookies for everybody. No, it was to try to lure him back to me, but it didn't really work. I think that's funny. Like looking back that these girls thought that like homemade cookies, that was the way to the guy's dick. It really, it really wasn't, but whatever. Um, okay, let's see. Um, oh, I saw Top Gun. Um, and I, you know, I have to say like the original Top Gun was like fine. I mean, it wasn't like I, it was a go-to movie for me, but I kind of hate Tom Cruise because of the Scientology stuff. Like I'm not a fan of his at all. And the whole Katie Holmes thing, I think he like kidnapped her, but I have to say the movie was, it was great and it's really well done. They refer back to the old movie enough times that you don't have to like see the old one first. And what the fuck? Tom Cruise is 59. He looks like he's 49 46 I don't know if they have like filters on him I don't know what's going on but he looked damn good and they make everybody look really good in that movie actually there's a whole new young group of guys there's a whole volleyball scene with everybody with their shirts off and I like literally my mouth had dropped open and you know the music's good and Joey was like 
cracking up, like pointed at Owen, like, look at mom. And I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> oh, wow. So anyways, a lot of action. They have just enough um, of the sex appeal. And Jennifer Connelly or O'Connelly played his like love interest in the movie. She's really beautiful. And um, yeah, Tom was sexy AF. I, he, fine. You can be that guy maverick in the movie and i'm gonna be all about you but the scientology shit just turns me off so i'm like as far as that's concerned i'm not not into tom cruise but like really unreal how good he looked and i remember seeing pictures of him on the internet like a year ago and it was like whoa what the fuck happened to him he's all bloated and he looked like crap now he looks like himself but a little bit older he doesn't have that bloated face anymore it looks like the tom cruise face but when they do refer back to pictures of him um, or, you know, yeah, just, I think they had just pictures of that time back then from the original Top Gun. He does look like a young, like maybe 28 year old. I mean, he looks older, obviously, but he just looks, he looks really good for his age. Like it's unreal. Um, the other guy who played, not Goose, um, oh, the, Val Kilmer. I don't know what's up with Val Kilmer. Like, he was in it, but he didn't speak. He kind of did, but they made it seem like he was dying of cancer and that he had lost his voice. So they played that into the role. So I don't know, maybe he's got something for real going on with his voice. I'm sure those that are hearing this that know are like, Jennifer, yeah, totally. You can't speak. I don't know what the deal is with him, but he had like a small part in the movie. Um, and of course he has not aged like Tom Cruise has. I mean, even Tom Cruise, like, there's some shots of him, of course, working with a wrench, like, reaching up um, <laughs> on the front of the nose of the plane and, like, you know, working something, you know, with his tools and his arms look phenomenal and his white t-shirt. It's like, oh, my God. And the lighting, the cinematography is just perfect. The music's perfect. It's like, holy, wow, I need a fan. What the fuck? Like, he's hot. But, um, yeah, it was a good movie. Good movie. Uh, Top Gun. Go see it. Okay, let me talk about my, uh, let's see what I have. Oh, yeah, that was, this is one thing I wanted to mention, which I thought was very interesting. So I've been on Tinder for the last year, and um, I have noticed, <laughs> this is so bizarre, several, at least four guys that I have been shirtless with. It doesn't mean I had sex with them. I might have only kissed them with my shirt off. Um, they have had pectus excavatum, just like me. So my chest bone tilts in on my right side. Um, but I have come across this with four different guys. What the F? I thought it was a little bit more uncommon. But of course, they don't have pictures of their shirts with their shirts off. And it was kind of a surprise when I when I had, when they took their shirts off. I'm like, oh my God. And one guy was like, felt mine. He's like, I have that too. And I was like, oh shit, you do. You know, and of course, I'm never going to make anybody feel bad bad about that. It's fine. Whatever. I have it too. But it was surprising how many guys I've come across who have the sunken chest. It's it's called pectus excavatum. So if you see anybody where their chest is sunken, um, it's, it's more male. It's more of a male issue. It's like, I guess, of the people that have it, only 25% are female. Um, and I noticed it in college. I don't know why I'd never really noticed it until then. But I was like, God, my ribs like dip down. I've like got a hole in like it. it goes down deep like on my right side and so it always made my boobs look weird because my right side would tilt in plus that right side is also smaller and that was why I got implants to fix that and the implants that I have now kind of cover up that a little bit but not totally like if yeah you can see it like I've had people say oh yeah I noticed it like 
<laughs> as soon as you took your shirt off, I could tell. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's like, I don't, I'm not insecure about it anymore because I do have like the, the fake boobs that kind of cover it a little bit. And to me, it's just kind of like, hey, isn't this cool? I got this thing and my chest kind of goes in deep on one side. Like who really gives a shit? But, um, I, it's weird that I've come across this with four guys now that I've been with. Um, I don't, you know what? Honestly, did I have, I don't think I did it with any of them. Let me think. One, two. Uh, oh, one of them. One of them I was with. Does he? Yeah. Yeah. Did he have it? No, I'm not sure. No. One, two. Four. God, this is terrible. I'm sorry. I shouldn't even be thinking this out, out loud. I don't think I was with any of them, honestly. I think it was just making out. Um, so, but whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, okay. So, pectus excavatum, more common than I thought. Um, or everybody on Tinder has that. I don't know what the deal is with it, but that seems like a lot deal. Okay. So I went to doctors on duty, which is, um, not my doctor. It's my doctor is only there on Fridays and it was the weekend and, um, or it was late Friday or no, no, it wasn't either. I, you know what it was is that I didn't feel like going to my, all the way down to my clinic. I just felt like going to this clinic because it was closer and I knew my doctor wouldn't be there anyway at the other clinic because it wasn't a Friday. That's what it was. So I just chose to go to doctors on duty because it's kind of like you just go in and you come out. It wasn't so much like that. So I go in because that day when I went to use the restroom, there was an odor <laughs> like distinct right away. And it's not a yeast infection. I've never had an odor with yeast infection. It's always just been itchy, which I know sounds gross, but there's never been anything like there. Like there's no, there has ne never been discharge when I've had yeast infections. It's just itchy and you, I can't see anything or smell, but this smelled and I knew right away it's a fish smell. It's called bacterial vaginosis or BV and it's caused by overdouching, which I don't do or, um, <clears throat> multiple sex partners. So, um, anyways, that was what it was. And I, uh, I knew right away. So I knew that there was this, uh, oh, I didn't know it was over the counter, but, and ironically, I had this shit under my sink and didn't even know it. Like, duh, I should have looked, I could have saved myself so much time, but anyways, um, it's just this like clear gel that you just squirt up inside of you. And it literally, for me, when I've had this happen before, it literally goes away. Like it almost seems like immediately, like I, it tells you to do it for five or seven days, but it's always gone. Like the first time I use that stuff. Um, so I don't use it that much. I use it for like two days and just to be on the safe side. But anyways, I go in for this. I know I have it because <laughs> they asked me what my symptoms were. And I said, well, there's a really awful fish smell. And I said, and, um, I think, yeah, there's some like discharge sorry for the guys that are hearing this engrossed out, but it is what it is. This is just, it happens to girls and you should know this anyways. You should know that this shit happens to girls. And I said, um, there's like bubbles. <laughs> My vagina is bubbling. So like here and there you could feel a bubble come out. It's like, what the fuck is going on inside there? So yeah, it's pretty obvious what it was. So, uh, I, she gives, you know, she tells me that the nurse practitioner is going to come in first and talk to me who is like a training nurse practitioner or something like that. Like she's still doing her apprenticeship or something. So she comes in, she asks me what my symptoms are and all that. And then, um, she goes out and she comes back. Oh, and she said, oh yeah. Okay. So she goes out and she comes back and, um, she says, okay, I'm going to ask you like a little bit of history now, a history, you know, questions about your history. She looks at my hands and she said, now, are you, 
are you married? I said, no, I'm single. And she said, okay. And, um, are, do you have like a partner or a boyfriend? And I said, uh, boyfriends. And she said, and I'm, uh, I'm immediately feeling annoyed because like, I don't know why this has to, I don't know why these questions have to be asked of me. I'm just here to be treated for the symptoms. I don't know why you need to know about my personal life. And so I said, boyfriends. And I said, she said, okay, um, like what, like she said, are you using protection? And I said, like, I'm like, I'm 51 years old. Like, I don't, I don't need to tell you this. You know, it's like irritating me. So I said with some, like, I'm like, right. I'm getting bothered by the questions. And then she asked, okay, can I ask like how many partners, partners you've had in the last year? That was it. I was, because I told her I was on Tinder. I did say I'm on Tinder. And I said, look, I don't know why I need to answer these questions. I said, um, this doesn't have really anything. I'm just here to be treated for this. And, um, and I said, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna change my behavior. Like I'm 51 years old. I understand like, like the risk of everything. And I'm, you know, I, I don't need to be like questioned. And she's, oh, no, 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 no. I don't mean like that. No, 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 no. So she got a little like worried because I immediately got defensive. And she said, and I had already peed in a cup. And she said, well, you know, you have a viral load, right? And I said, what? And I'm thinking, what the fuck are you talking about? I didn't just have my blood drawn. And I'm very well aware of what my viral load is. It's undetectable as it has been for six fucking years. And she was trying to make me feel that she knew something about me that I wasn't aware of and that I was putting people at risk. Clearly, she had no idea about HIV. So she says, no, mm, yeah, you're, you're not undetectable. She said, you're detectable. And I said, uh, really? <laughs> Can you show me this? So she gets on her little stool and she says, yeah, let me, okay, I'll, I'll bring it up. I'll bring it up. So she brings up my records from the other office. So she had gone into her office, looked me up and was looking at my viral load. And obviously, so I hadn't even said a word about me having HIV. I had not said a word. So she did a little digging before she came in to see me. And she read everything wrong. So she shows me, she'll see right here, it says less than 20 copies, not detected. That was from January. And I'm like, yeah, that's undetectable. And so I think what she is thinking is if, if you had one copy, it might make you detectable and dangerous. Like it's really what I was getting that she just didn't get it at all. And she goes, and look here in April, you were undetected and it's less than 20 copies. I said, yeah, that's undetectable. I said, I can't transmit HIV. I said, I, and I tell like the majority of my partners that I have HIV, even though I don't have to, I said, but I'm undetectable. I said, I could have a as many as 200 copies. And then I started to say about women and transmitting and how unlikely it is anyways. And the, um, I mean, I was fully defensive and the, um, the MA, the medical assistant came in at that time to give me the self swab um, and give me the instructions on how to like shove it up my vajayjay and, you know, whatever, put it back in this tube thing. And at that time when she came in, the nurse goes, oh, okay, well, I'll just let you guys do this. So she scooted out at that time because she freaking knew she didn't know what the fuck she was talking about because I started giving her information and helping her understand about what it is to be undetectable and untransmittable. And like, girl, don't come to me and 
try to make me look like I'm the villain or the bad guy because I have HIV and I'm out there spreading it and you're going to freaking notify the health department because that is how it felt. And um, so the girl comes in for the self-swab. I'm real nice to her. She leaves. I do the self-swab. And then the PA comes in, the physician's assistant, and she, another female. And so she comes in and she goes, okay, so great. Thanks for doing that. You know, and she gives me the instructions on like the medication and it'll be sent to CVS. And, you know, you want to use it the full five days, even though we don't know whether you have it or not. But it sounds like according to your symptoms that you probably do. We'll also test you for gonorrhea and chlamydia. Negative for those, by the way. Um, and I was positive for BV, obviously. And so anyways, um, I say to her, because I can feel like she's a little nervous. They've obviously had a conversation about me and my test results and the girl with HIV in there who's having sex with guys on Tinder and not always telling everybody and obviously has BV from multiple partners. So I am already labeled and being judged. And of course, if I didn't have HIV, would they have had this conversation? I don't, who knows? I don't think so. But I really feel like I was being judged. But the PA was careful to only go over the instructions. I brought up to her, I pointed towards the door and I said, look, there was a conversation with the nurse. And I, I just want you to know, like, I actually went to this office several times before I was diagnosed with HIV. Nobody picked up on it. It's no one's fault, but I'm just letting you know, like, this is where I was kind of diagnosed. And I said, I've had it that I've known for six years, actually been longer. I'm an advocate. I teach people online or like advocate about HIV. I educate people on the topic. I'm very well aware of what my viral load is. I'm very versed on HIV and being undetectable and what that means for people living with HIV. And she, you know, and she was like, oh, and I said, yeah, like I am like I had AIDS. I came here and like I almost died. Like I put my story on the Internet. I didn't give her any of my information, but and I mean, they can easily look me up, you know, just by they have my name. So um, anyways, and she was like very like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. And she acted. she tried to ask some questions to act like, you know, she was interested um, she was very sweet, but I think like, hopefully she went back and told that nurse practitioner what I told her. Cause it was very, it felt really bad. So I hear stories, uh, from people that are, you know, mostly my, uh, well, mostly my cis, um, CIS, uh, HIV positive women who reach out to me and tell me that they've had these experiences at medical clinics. and But it goes for anybody with HIV. Like the stigma in medical facilities is still there. People are not educated on HIV. Um, not always. Um, sometimes they are, but it's kind of more common than they aren't. And so there I had, you know, I'm this person who knows all this shit about HIV and I'm I'm getting that feeling and feeling very small in an office by medical staff because of my diagnosis. And I felt like any one of you out there who's positive, who's gone through that, I felt that. And it was like, I got in my car and I like did an Instagram story right away. And I was like, I know I need to talk about this on my podcast because it really was degrading. And I just the fact that she was like, just the way she said, you know, you have a viral load. And I'm like, just that, like, like she almost wanted to give me this surprise attack. Like, you know, you're putting people at risk, right? And it was like, no, th no, I'm not. Like, I know my body. I know what's going on. I'm, 
I'm, I test every three months. Nothing's changed in six years. Like that whole thing. I just, uh, it really, like, I actually couldn't even really talk about it in, in this kind of detail, like right after it happened. Cause I was still like so upset about it. So it's been, it's been a couple weeks. So I felt that I could talk about it at this point, but yeah, it was a really bad feeling. And, um, so anybody out there who's gone through stuff like this, I, I feel you and I know why, you know, why there's still people that don't even get on treatment because this is what they face in a face-to-face -face situation. And, you know, like I said, I'm open about it. And you can imagine like how, like, that's crazy. Like that made me feel that bad. And I'm somebody who's public about it. Imagine someone who's very secret about it, which is the majority. And they're treated like that in a facility. Like that's enough to make you like not want to go back. It's a really awful feeling. So that shit needs to change. My God. So I think she learned something that day for sure. I think she learned to not open her mouth about things that she doesn't know about before she, you know, goes to a patient and acts like she does. Cause that's exactly what happened. She probably feels silly about it. Okay. I'm going to get into this guy that, um, I've been seeing, I don't, I haven't been seen. I've been hooking up with, I guess, for the last two months. So this was a straight up hookup. We met on Tinder, like we had chit chat in like April and then we met in early May and he's a lot smaller than me. Like he's definitely like, I'd say like maybe like five, six. I think he said he was five, seven. I don't think so. I think he's like five, six, um, hair pulled back in like a man bun blonde, really interesting face, like facially. Um, but right away I wasn't like, I, he wasn't what I expected. Like he didn't look like what I thought he was going to look like through his pictures. I thought he was going to be totally taller, but anyways, um, we, yeah, we hooked up that night and it was like kind of a for sure thing. Like we were definitely going to meet just for that. Like that was the whole point. And we were like, fine, I'm down. You're down. Fine. So that happens every once in a while. And I was kind of like after like, eh, whatever. I don't really like, I don't care if I see him again. It was, it was what it was fine. And, um, and it's really good that we didn't get caught because it was in my car. <laughs> I hope there's no students listening to this. My God. Um, it was at the hook, which is like this parking lot, um, where people go to surf, but it was dark. It was at night. Um, so it was kind of like fun to like reminisce about like that first time right there. Um, fun, fun, fun. But yeah, I, cars did come through. Oh my God, we just ducked, but thank God nobody like <laughs> put a flashlight on my car and caught us. But mm. so he is writing to me after saying stuff about like, Hey, like kind of, I'm, I'm going to be straight up honest. Like you've been on my mind and um, that was fun. Not on my mind, but more like, can't say I haven't thought about the other night, stuff like that. And I was like, oh, that's cute. Oh, okay, cool. But I honestly, he wasn't really on my radar. So he said, Hey, if you're ever down to do shrooms, I'd be down for that. That was one of the interests is that we both like doing that. And so I said, yeah, why not? So we figured out a date. He came over. It was like, I don't know. It was like, like four days later. It wasn't that long. It was less than a week. My kids were gone that day. They were going to the boardwalk. It was daytime. And he, I remember him coming into my kitchen and we're talking about the shrooms. It was awkward. It was like, oh my God. It was like, I don't know. It was just super awkward. I, we were like totally stone cold sober and we're like, it's daytime. And like, I didn't really remember Like, I remember feeling like, I don't know where to put my hands while I'm talking to him. We have the shrooms. Like, I'm like, we're talking about it for so long. I'm like, we should probably eat them because obviously you need time for them to go into effect. So 
we finally do. And after, I don't know, like a half an hour, I said, we should just go upstairs. So, um, that turns into like a three hour ordeal. And I really like, I don't know. I'm, I like closing my eyes when I'm on them, but I like really, it was like, I don't know. I wasn't totally into him still. I really wasn't like he was like, it has, he's in great shape, but I don't know. I was just more into like the shroom experience and yes, we are doing that the whole time. Yeah. It, it like, isn't a problem for him. He's like no issues in that area at all. I mean, I, it, he has like a kind of like an unreal body part that never seems to like, he like never seems to ever be flaccid at all. Like even after he's done, like it just never goes down. I don't know. It's unreal. Anyway, so that time was fun. We did that. And then I was like ready for him to go when it was time to go. I, my kids were going to come home and I was like, yeah, okay, bye. Like didn't think much of him again. He wrote to me and said that I really enjoyed that. It was fun getting lost with you and all that. I was like, oh, that's nice. You know, whatever. And, but still he wasn't totally on my radar. It just wasn't. I don't know why. So he, and, and then there were times that were, he was trying to see me, but I was like, eh, I don't feel like waiting. Like I was in the area and it was late, but like he had to finish his dinner with his friend first. I was like, no, nah, you know what? I'm going home. Like I just was like, whatever. And so it was funny cause he was definitely chasing me at that point, And I was not that interested. I, not, I mean, it would have been fine, but I was, I was like, I could give it, it was like, I could take it or leave it basically. So I remember going home this one night and he was like, Oh damn, really? Like you went home. I'm like, yeah, I was like, whatever. So we end up having a third time together. Uh, I don't remember how it all got started, but it was always him reaching out to me and we ended up meeting up here in Watsonville and we, again, hidden spot in my car and I don't know what happened, but there was kissing that happened. Obviously we kissed the whole time we were on shrooms, but again, I was just really focused on the shrooms and I wasn't really into like so much him. But this time, totally sober, and there was kissing that was different. And I was like, oh. Because the first time we were together, it was all about just one thing. It wasn't that intimate, obviously. But this third time, it was, for me, for sure. There was this kissing that was just, wow, what is that? Like, what the hell is happening? And he had left his wallet in my car. So he was like, Oh my God, I left my wallet in your car after he's like, I need to come by and get it. I'm like, okay, so this is like after midnight, I'm sitting on my front porch and he drives up and I run over and give him his wallet. And I don't know, we start kissing through his window. He's in a truck. And I said, okay, bye. And I like go skipping off to my house. And in my head, I'm like, wow, what? Like that was a, an amazing kiss. Like just to pick up a wallet. Like I'm like, now I'm super confused. Oh my God. Like I have like, I'm confused about him. So I, but I'm like all of a sudden thinking this is really exciting. Like I like him. Oh shit. Like I like him. Fuck. I didn't, I didn't know I was going to like him. And so the next day I'm at the, um, psychedelic first concert with my daughter and I say, he says, Hey, what's up? And I said, Oh, Hey, I'm at the psychedelic first with my daughter. I sent him a picture of me and Joey. He's like, that's so cool. Whatever. And he goes, Hey, just a heads up. I'm going to be busy. I think it was like, we were at the concert on the 11th. He said, I've got family coming in and my ex might be coming over. Oh, he had told me that night after we were together that he had, he got me, gave me the whole lowdown on the ex-girlfriend, something about 
like we're not together. Obviously, she's like encouraged him to go on Tinder, but like he it's can it's complicated is what he said. So at that point, I was like, yeah, I'm like I'm cool. Like I'm not trying to get in the way. I understand my role and what you're doing here. It's I got it. But when he came back after for the wallet and there was that kiss, I was that confused me. So. I'm all thinking about him the next day and then I get this text that he's got family coming and he isn't really available to the 20th. So we're talking nine days and I'm like, ah, all right. I'm like, well, I'll see you when I see you, I guess. And he goes, oh, okay, well, I'll miss you. Like he said stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, I, well, yeah, for sure. I said, I, you know, kind of sucks, but I guess there's nothing I can do about it. Just see you later. So during those nine days, there was a little communication. Um, he sent me a couple pictures of places he was at. And I said something about my girlfriend said I should send something to him like really sexual. Like I miss doing this with you. And he's, he's not that kind of guy. He doesn't like respond that well to those kind of messages. I now know, but I did send him something that was kind of like sexual. And he just wrote back, I miss you too. Like it was sweet. It was, I'm like, Oh my God, fuck. He's sweet. And so I ended up getting COVID and that delayed me seeing him even more because it, it came to the date about when he was available. And then I ended up with COVID and I told him and he had, he had reached out to me to see what I was up to. And I said, I had COVID and he said, yeah, I, I've got people that are like susceptible. They have like autoimmune issues or whatever. They're like high risk. And so I really can't like see you until you're like totally over it. And I'm like, okay, well, are you still cool with hooking up? He's like, yeah, totally. I'm like, okay, cool. So I don't remember more time went by like another goddamn week. So it was like about two and a half weeks until I saw him again. And this time again was in my car and it was definitely like it was in a hidden spot and it was, I don't know there for me, it was like more like there, there was so much chemistry and like, like we couldn't get enough of each other. That's what I felt. That's what I felt was coming from him and it was just super passionate and intense. And I, there was music playing in my car, like the whole thing. It was great. And, um, so yeah, that fucked me up and I could tell like there was something distant about him after. And it was like, ah, oh, man. So I just left that feeling like maybe I was too intense because like, it was really intense and I was totally letting myself go there and like be completely in the moment and like fall for him. I was fully letting my, I, I like those feelings are so extreme when they happen, like the hormones and the dopamine and serotonin and all of that, when it like fully floods your body and you're just, the chemistry is there. You're, it's such a drug. It is, it puts you in such a, like an, amazing feeling. It's like, you know, you're going to be fucked up after if this doesn't, if you're, if you're kind of like ghosted or whatever, like, but in the moment you want to keep going with it because it's such an amazing high. And so I did, of course I, I knew I was even in my head going, I'm going to be, this is going to fuck me up. This is going to fuck me up. I knew it. And so I said goodbye to him. And for the next three weeks, it was pretty quiet. And, um, he just said stuff was going on with his ex and she'd kind of been around and he was, he hit me up 
uh, one night and said that he wasn't doing that great. He said, oh yeah, he said, and I got really quiet because I just was like, well, I kind of, I can tell he's not like he's into her or whatever. Like I got to just get over this shit. So of course I talked to more people on Tinder, even meet up with people. And I'm like trying to just get him out of my fucking head. And he sends me a message and he goes, hey, are you okay? Like this is after not texting for a week. And I'm like, laugh out loud. Am I okay? What do you mean? Yeah, I'm fine. Are you okay? Like what the fuck? And he says, yeah, just like feeling really shitty about this whole situation with her, but I'm around good friends and have support. And I'm like, of course, that makes me want to be that person that could be there for him because I'm a dumbass. And so, um, I don't know. It was probably like that night, nothing came of it. But like two days later, he says like, Hey, what are you up to? And that turned into me. And he just said, just He's been holding off on me coming to his place. I don't know why, but the girlfriend isn't around anymore. She's like down in LA or whatever. So I guess he knew like she wouldn't come by. So he's, that's why we had never gone to his place. And he does live uh, in Santa Cruz and like his, it's like an um, historical home. Actually, it's really close to the beach in Capitola. It's a, it's a cute little house, but he's living in it and remodeling it inside. So it's kind of like under construction. And that was always his reason for why I couldn't come there because there's like staples on the floor and the bathroom's not done, which is somewhat true, but he does have his own room with a bed and obviously like a normal bedroom. So he invites me over and he just says, fuck it, come over here. I'm like, oh damn. So I've been invited to the, the, the house now. So I'm like, you know, and now we're talking, this has been going on for six weeks, this like little thing, whatever's going on between us. So of course, um, that ends up being like, for me, I don't know. I feel it. It's the same for him, but like, I'm not in his head, so I can't say, but what it feels like he's giving me is really intense and passionate. And, uh, like he seems to understand exactly what I need and he's giving me all of that. And then I end up spending the night and I'm like, I'm falling in love with him. Of course, like shit, I'm at his house. Like he, and I kept trying to leave. There was two times where I wanted to leave and he goes fine. And I'm like, so you don't want me to leave? Like, I don't really know. Like I was kind of confused. And then at one point he pulled his arm out and pulled me back to him. And I'm like, he, he, like we, we were like spooning, like, two like in fetal positions. Like I was kind of like on his legs. It was like, I was down below him, but he held my arm up to his heart and held me like really tight. You know, he's also smoking pot this whole time. So who knows if he really like was in the moment, maybe he was just super high and maybe he doesn't remember any of these things, but it messed me up. And it really made me feel like there was this amazing connection. And I know where there's 20 freaking years between us. Like what's the reality of this? It's not good. Um, but like, in my mind, I just think, well, shit, if you feel a connection with somebody and there's chemistry, everything else is out the window. Who gives a shit? Like, figure it out. You'll figure it out. You know, if you want to be with somebody and it feels perfect chemistry wise, then everything else just comes after. I don't want to think about reality. I just want to go with that feeling. And so I did spend the night. I didn't sleep all night. Oh my God. I know that I didn't get any REM sleep at all because I was so aware of him being next to me. I couldn't believe I was actually at his place. Like I couldn't believe all this was happening because I'd been thinking about him so much. So I leave that morning. Oh, and he, I'm getting dressed and he's still in bed and he pulls me to him and we have this really nice kiss and I'm like, damn. And so then he walks, he gets up and walks me to the door. It's like six in the morning and it's really funny because I literally have to like lift up one leg, bend down with my other leg to be able to hug him because I'm that much taller than him. 
And we had a really nice kiss and hug goodbye. And I left and I was like, damn, what the fuck was all of that? Like, so I am messed up about this. It's a little bit of a blur. Like, I can't think of how much time went on after that night. Uh, maybe, oh, I'm so blanking out on when we saw each other again. I think it was, oh, it was six days later. Yep. There was, so there was like all this quietness. Um, I would die if he ever heard this, but like, he doesn't even know about my social media. He doesn't even ask about it. And I did say to him that night, no, it was the, it was the, the next night. So, okay. So six days later, he hits me up my phone. I get the text. What are you up to? What are you doing right now? And then I said, why you want to hang out? And he said, I'm down. I'm like, okay, cool. So I go over there and I'm like, okay, he's like, literally like, this is a thing. I'm going to his house now. Like I just meet up. I know where to park. I don't even have to look at my map. I know where he lives. Uh, I know that the slider is going to be left open for me, which it was. It all feels like we've got a thing happening. And I get there and there was something different um, because we, you know, once we got started and all that, like we hang out and talk for a little bit. And at one point I even said, he talks about all of the shit he's going through and basically with the ex and all that, it's like kind of stuff I don't really want to know. And I feel like I'm just like a guy friend to him. And I'm like, do you even notice me? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I don't know. And then at one point I said, you know, what's really funny is like, I don't even know if you know my name. And he goes, uh, Denver? Like he kind of said it in a silly way. And I was like, literally the first time I've ever heard him say my name. And he didn't even say it. He just said Denifer, like a joke. But that's like the closest. Like, I'm like, what do you even know about me? You know? Um, but apparently this ex-girlfriend of his is like really beautiful and she's on Instagram and has a bunch of followers and she's like into BDSM, which is like, I can't even compete with that because I'm not into that. Um, and he's hung up on her. She like, she left him and they were together just for like over a year, but apparently he can't like get over it. And so of course I want to be that comfort also, but at the same time, realistically, he's got his mind on her and I'm thinking, how could you not have your mind on me? I'm right here. I'm like in front of you. I'm the one you're like connecting with and having sex with. So of course you, you're, you've got to have me on your mind. And, um, anyway, we, the, everything starts as usual and it starts with a lot of kissing. And then he just says, he pulls away and smiles and kind of like puts his arms up almost to stretch and says, you know, I don't know, like, I don't really like to kiss like that much. I'm like, Oh, okay, well, like, we always have, like, all right, so that was a sign right there that things were not going in the right direction, anyways, everything goes down per huge, um, but I realized, like, this is a lot of information, but I feel like I've got free hands that are touching him, like, everywhere, and I feel like he's not putting his hands on me, like, he's just holding himself up on the bed or whatever, like, I don't feel like he's being the same towards me, and those were all, like, signs, like, looking back, like, something's different. And so he, he, as soon as we're done, like I'm high cause I smoked his bong and I'm floating in his bed and I hear him like over at his little table smoking more. And he finally crawls into bed. Like, I don't even know. It could have been a half an hour later, an hour later. I have no idea, but he really, really wasn't interested in hanging out with me, like to be close with me. Cause we have had many eye moments where we're in the midst of this and there's connection through the eyes and, you know, obviously the kissing, it was like, there, it felt like there was a lot of in, very intimate moments, but maybe that's just how he is. And for me, it just messed me up. So, um, anyway, he, um, 
he gets back into bed finally and I roll over towards him. He puts his back to me. So he's towards the wall and I kind of got near him, but I wasn't spooning him or anything. And I think I touched his hip or something with my hand and he goes something about feeling like claustrophobic and it's a little too tight of a fit. I'm like, Oh, (laughs) sorry. So like, I like roll over and I think, I don't know, like looking back, I don't even know that he even wanted me spending the night there. Like, I don't even know. And he said, I'm not sure if he made any comment about it, but I did sleep pretty well um, because I had taken my sleeping pill and all my stuff like before I went to bed, my gabapentin and stuff, so and my melatonin, so I was good to go. Um, and I I did sleep, and I my alarm went off at six, no, five forty-five, and he got up and walked me to the door, and there was a hug and a kiss, you know, nice kisses goodbye. It felt sweet. And I left and I went on with my day that day. I felt kind of like not so tired that day because I feel like I did actually sleep okay. So I meet up with somebody that I'd met on Tinder in November. Um, He was on a, he's actually the drummer for David Byrne um, from the Talking Heads. When David Byrne went solo, he's also a drum for um, uh, Paul Simon, John Bon Jovi, and Bon Jovi. And he's drum for Bruce Springsteen. And, um, his name's Graham and he's really nice. He's like 59 and we met through Tinder back in November and we, you know, he took me out to Capitola and we got oysters and I just, I don't know, physically, I just didn't know. I don't know. I just wasn't super, I wasn't feeling it really. But, um, I, I said I would meet up with him again cause he asked if we could, cause he was on a, he was on a motorcycle trip, um, from New York. He flew out to LA rented a motorcycle. It's like through like an Airbnb thing. And anyways, he was going to ride it up the coast and he had some gigs that he was going to do while he was here, but he really wanted to see me. So he, you know, he was really nice about it. And so I did go see him. We actually went to the same exact restaurant. We got oysters again. We had some champagne, we had some food and then it was getting cold. The fog rolled in and I was in shorts and I was parked literally right at the end of uh, this guy's street. His name's Chris, but whatever. I was parked at the end of his street. Like literally his house is like right. If you go like down the street from his house, you run into the ocean. So I was parked at this parking lot that like overlooks the ocean. And I said goodbye to Graham, gave him a kiss goodbye and got in my car. And there was a message from Chris and he said, laugh out loud. You left your earrings here, Stony." And I said, Oh my God. I said, I'm actually like right down the street from your house. And I said, I'm a little buzzed. I was, I'd had that champagne. And I said, um, you know, I'm right down the street or whatever. And he said, laugh out loud, come up. I'm like, and so that felt like so inviting and like, yay. Oh my God. He wants to see me again. But he goes, and I said, okay. I I said, but only if I can have a a hit of your bong, like I'm such a stoner now. Like, I don't know, but I kind of wanted to do that. And so he said, yeah, that's fine. He goes, but I got some stuff to do. Like looking back, I'm looking at his messages and he said he only had limited time. So I'm like, okay. I said, fuck. Okay. So I got up there like within minutes. And of course he's talking about, I don't know, just lots of things. Like it's nothing to do with me. It's just his shit that's going on in his life and whatever. And all I'm thinking is how do I get his clothes off? I want to just rip his clothes off. And so, uh, eventually that happened and, uh, or maybe that was the time that he told me he didn't want to kiss that much. Maybe that was it. But anyways, this was time number seven. I know he doesn't remember any of this. This is just a girl remembering every single time because that's what we do. And, um, it was, uh, it was good and whatever. And it, that was, it ended, but he needed to get to the pot place or the dispensary before it closed. It was going to close at seven. 
and it was six o'clock and he was hurrying and it's literally a mile away. So clearly somebody didn't want to hang out with me very long. So I was getting the hint. It was kind of obvious. And when we were finished, he took like a 10 minute shower. So like, obviously I'm not going to sit there naked in his bed waiting for him to come back. Like he's waiting for me to get dressed more than likely and get the fuck out of there. So he comes out and I'm feeling bad because I know I cannot go home and play this off anymore. Like I am messed up emotionally and I, I, it needs, I need to tell him because during that time when it was over and we were kind of snuggling a little bit, he said something about like, don't. And I said, I can't help it. And he goes, yeah, you can. And I'm like, no, the fuck I can't. Like, I can't help it just like you can't help it for her. I can't stop the way I'm feeling. I feel a certain way. And he just didn't want to talk about it. Like it was super obvious. He wanted to get up and shower. Like he was definitely like just blowing it off. So I, I know now it's like all or nothing. I can't leave there without saying something to him. I've got to tell him how I feel. So I say, I, I remember walking to the door and kind of stopping him and saying, you know, I'm literally on Tinder to try not to think about you. Like I go on dates to like get you off my mind. And he, it's, he didn't want to talk about it. He kind of went past me and said, look, like you said, and this was what my, basically my tender says is that I don't have time for anything serious, just looking for fun. So he had to remind me that that's what my tender said. I'm like, yeah, I fucking know that. But I didn't expect to like have feelings for you. Like, obviously after a while you're going to have feelings like this is normal, natural stuff, but he's in a different place because he's not completely he's out of this relationship, but it's really recent where I, it's been a year for me since I've been in anything, you know, consistent. So, um, anyway, I just, he, he came to my door and he kind of reiterated something about like, yeah, you know where I'm at with this. And I just don't, I don't have like the capacity to like give anything. Like I am like, he was super, super, straightforward and it hurts so bad. He just said, I'm still really deep in this with her, like his thoughts, like he can't get his thoughts out of, you know, her and whatever. And I mean, what, I can't compete with a 31 year old who's apparently gorgeous and has a huge following on Instagram for her sexiness. I mean, you know, and it's funny cause he doesn't realize I have a following too. Like we literally don't discuss that part of, we don't discuss me at all because I never come up. It's like, it's only just this physical thing, but Anyway, it was devastating to hear like him just say, look, I can't give you that. Like, I'm still really like messed up over here. I'm not in a good place emotionally, psychologically. I need to work on me. It was kind of all of that. I was just like, yeah, I know. I know. I know. You've been honest about that the whole time. Totally get it. Fine. So I say goodbye there's no hug. There's no kiss. It's just fucking drive away. It's like, feels like shit. And I'm a little bit in shock. Cause I know like he said something to the, to the extent, like talking to me at some point about something. I don't remember what it was. And I said, yeah, you won't now. <laughs> like you're not going to fucking talk to me now, obviously. Cause I told you I have feelings like you don't, that's like, you know, guys don't want to deal with that. And so, um, I drove off and felt pretty bad. And 
the next day and we've been connected on tinder the whole time uh, which was always sweet to me because it was like oh we're still matched on tinder like he still likes me and i don't know what that means to a guy i really don't because we had each other's phone numbers we didn't need to be on tinder together but the next day i see that he's changed his photos and he put two photos one of a, a front shot of him he's in sweats and it's with a it's full chest arms and then it's really funny because he never ever shows his body off to me it's like he's not uh, that way he's not showy which I really liked about him because his body is really banging like he has a beautiful body um and he is compact but like he's got uh, very nice muscles he's like hairless he's just his body was perfect to me um and then there was another picture of his back like with his hair like and he's got blonde hair and it's like in a bun and it was like to me I was like they those pictures killed me because it was like oh okay somebody's looking for new pussy obviously which really felt like shit because he's upping his game on tinder where he just told me like he doesn't want anything like that he can't handle it so i like it really messed me up because i'm like okay did he just look at my tinder because i had updated my pictures about a week ago and there are definitely sexier pictures that I'd had. Like there's an underwear picture of me that I'd put on Facebook and it's like of my torso with my new tattoo and my underwear is like pulled down. Um, and then there's another one of me at the gym. And like, there was another one of me laying on my bed that no one's seen. It's only on Tinder. And it's like looking down from my perspective and my shorts are like kind of like up and you can sort of see down my shorts a little bit. Like my shorts look like they're loose on me. Um, anyways, like, so maybe he saw, I, of course, in my mind, I'm like, maybe he saw those pictures and he thought, fuck that. She's doing her thing on Tinder. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know why he changed his photos. And he also changed his, um, his info to say something about the fact that, uh, something about like, he likes fast things and, um, trust. And then there was another word, self-care and communication. Those were like his important things, his important points. And then he just said something about hit me up. Let's go anywhere. I don't know. And I'm like, that didn't sound like a guy who is just looking to hook up. That sounded like a guy who's maybe looking for more, which felt like shit to see that in his profile the next day after literally having this conversation with him and knowing that nothing more was going to come of it. Why would you go on Tinder and like now make yourself look super available and make yourself look even more sexy and all of that. So anyways, I realized that this is doing me no good uh, psychologically and I need to get away from it. So I unmatched him to be tr truthful. I don't know that he'll even notice. I have no clue how many people he's matched with. Um, I'm matched with a bunch, but like he was at the very bottom of my little thing and I like my list of guys and I just... I don't know. I needed to just do it because it like made me feel better. I didn't want to see his pictures anymore. I didn't want to see like his, like when I look at my tender, I don't want to see him down there looking back at me and feeling like we're still matched when we're really not. And so that's it. Um, I guess it's over. I don't know. Like I, in my mind it is, I just, it's a freeing feeling because I feel like I've let it go and now I can just move forward and not be hoping for that text anymore, which is really what was going on. It was really fucking me up like every day waiting to hear from him. And when it, a text would come through at night and it would be him, I would, it was like the big, it's such a drug. It's crazy how that, um, messes you up. And so 
now I don't have to live waiting for that message anymore because it's like all out. I knew I had to like tell him I have feelings. It's been like, I, what can you, can you give me anything back? Can you tell me anything? And he basically said he couldn't. So um, that was the end of that. So I assume it's over. Some people say he's going to hit me up. My daughters say, if you freaking go see him, you're so stupid. Um, but like literally if he did, I would have to say, I don't, I don't think I can. Cause it just fucks me up too much. Like it really does. It's just too hard. It's too hard when the feelings get in there. <sighs> yeah. So anyways, that's, that's the guy that I've kind of like been alluding to that I didn't want to talk about because I liked him. And, um, yeah, I think I mentioned he's 20 years younger than me. <laughs> so anyways, uh, that's it. That's all I have to say for today. And, um, I hope everybody's doing well. I always say that. And what else? I don't know. I guess we'll just see how this plays out. Of course, I'll let you guys know, but I don't think it's going to play out. I think it's already done its course. It's time to move on. Sadly, still hurts. Still hurts. I still cried about it last night for all the reasons, uh, because I feel stupid for one and yeah, just sucks to feel like somebody rejected you after you've had these intimate moments and you know that, that the drug isn't going to be there anymore. It's, it's really hard. It's really hard. Like your brain needs to somehow get away from it. All the urges in your body have to somehow stop and those things take time and then it will go away. I, I do get over people, but I'm just going to take a little time because it's really fresh right now. So, but yeah. Okay. You guys, um, have a great week. Um, or this is Saturday. I'm going to put this out on a Saturday. So have a great weekend and we'll see you guys soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Love you guys. Bye. If you'd like to be notified for any of my upcoming podcasts, be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to help this girl out, then please rate, review, and share my show. Thanks, guys. I never normally do this, but I'm throwing this in at the very end. I forgot to say that he knew, he knows that I have HIV. And I talked about it one time, the third time we were together. It never came up one time after that. Never at all. And um, I honestly think he like forgot about it. <laughs> it's really funny. So anyways, I just wanted to add that in. So you guys knew a little bit of the background with regards to that. It was like a nothing conversation. Honestly, it was like easy. All right. Bye guys.